Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. Again, we're podcasting a Wednesday night Bible class for all of those who cannot be with us in person at the church building in Omaha on Wednesday night for our regular Bible classes. Now, we do meet in the building at 3606 North 108th Street every Wednesday evening for midweek Bible classes at 630. If you're in our area, we encourage you to come and visit with us, study, worship with us, grow spiritually with us at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. You're always welcome. But I know that many people are listening in other parts of the country and also around the world, literally. And so we're thankful to have the opportunity and the ability and the means to be able to broadcast God's Word, Bible studies on a regular basis throughout the internet all over the world. And that's not something that we take lightly. We take that very seriously. We're thankful that God has blessed us again to be able to do this, and he gets all of the glory. Now, we want to encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. You know people in your life, probably within your own family, in fact, who need to change the focus of their life. They need to start thinking about their relationship with God, about their souls, about eternity, because it's coming. Well, help them along these lines by sharing these studies with them. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, maybe other technological means as well. But make up your mind and make that commitment and start sharing with everybody you can. Your family members, your work associates, your neighbors, your friends, literally everybody you can. What a great blessing it would be for somebody to have their or to be stimulated to start thinking about their souls and about God and about eternity and ultimately get on the right path that will lead them to eternal life in heaven with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But you know, while that will be a great blessing for them, it will also be a great blessing for you. So start sharing today. Also encourage everybody to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the listen link and then sign up for our podcasting. Now, it is free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help them get to heaven. When you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive Wednesday night Bible class, Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, but also a really great daily, short, about a 13-minute Bible study every day, seven days a week, that we call today's Bible class. Keeps us in God's Word and covers very pertinent subject matter that is all scripturally based and spiritually focused. And they'll also receive our Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. Now, all of that, again, is free. On our website, they can download hundreds of sermons, and most of those now are being posted in video format as well as audio format. And they can also download and study through hundreds of biblically-based and spiritually-focused articles covering a wide variety of subjects. Again, all of that is free and always will be free. So take advantage of that opportunity, churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. We're going to get back into our study from 1 Peter, and we have been in this particular study for quite some time. In fact, we've been in chapter 3 for quite some time. We'll finish that up today. But 
not been in a rush to just kind of cover things on a surface level basis, but I wanted to really get deep into the scriptures here, and there are so many different points that, have, that we have needed to bring out to help us in our personal spiritual lives as Christians. And this particular letter by the Apostle Peter, actually it is from God, and simply Peter being the penman guided by God through the Holy Spirit to write it all correctly and accurately, thereby being God's very word, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, this is written to Christians. Now, certainly it has application to people who have yet to become Christians, and they certainly can learn from its spiritual guidelines, but it is written primarily, first and foremost, to Christians. Now, we come to the end of this particular chapter, and we look at beginning with verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Now, Christ suffered once for sins. If we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and the last verse in that particular chapter, the Apostle Paul wrote about just to what extent Jesus did suffer for sins. But now notice that it says in verse 21 that Jesus did not suffer for any sins that he committed because he did not sin. He suffered for sins, our sins. He went to the cross and died to pay the price for our sins, for our guilt. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, for he, that is God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He died to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. And as that sacrifice, he was perfect. Remember what Paul said there? Jesus, while he lived upon this earth in human form, knew no sin. He did not sin. He lived in human form. He was tempted as we are tempted, but he did not succumb to the temptations. In Hebrews chapter 4, beginning with verse 15, the Hebrews writer wrote along this line, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted as we are, but without sin. He never sinned, never gave in to the temptations. When you go back to the second chapter of Hebrews, verse, uh, verse 17, therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make pr propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Jesus, as he was here as man, fully human, while still fully divine, he went through all the kinds of temptations, basically, that we go through as human beings on a regular basis. 
but he did not sin. He did not give in to the temptations. He could serve as that ultimate perfect sacrifice one time for all time to pay the price for the guilt of the sins of all humanity for all time including through our day and age right now and until he comes again on the final day of judgment because he was sinless as he lived upon this earth he died on that cross as the perfect sinless pure sacrifice now, you remember going back into the Old Testament law of Moses that when sacrifices, animals were offered for the sins of the people, they could not be blemished, they could not be diseased, they had to be, from a physical, outward, physical, and visual perspective, they had to be pure. Well, no animal could really become pure to the extent that Jesus was, but Jesus in never giving in to temptation while still living in human form, he was pure, sinless when he went to that cross. And we need to be so thankful for that. We need to be so thankful that God sent him to that cross on our behalf. Uh, Really, it's a sacrifice that we have a difficult time fully appreciating to the extent that we need to, because it's hard for us to imagine God sending his son to that cross to die and bear the sins of all mankind from a personal perspective, all of our sins on that cross as a perfect, pure sacrifice. Just incredible. Well, we go on to verse 19 in 1 Peter chapter 3. And it says, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient when once the divine suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which, that is, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. Verse 19 and 20 Well, they cause us to scratch our head. By whom? What was the subject of the last part of the previous verse? Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Jesus arose from that tomb alive. By whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. In prison? The spirits in prison? who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah. Okay. Christ was preached, or salvation was preached during the days of Noah. Now, all true preaching of the gospel, all true preaching of forgiveness and salvation and redemption That comes from God. And remember that the Holy Spirit guided the writers to write God's word as truly being God's word. They did not just make it up on their own. They did not just write down their own good ideas. Going back to chapter 1 of 1 Peter, um, 
I'm sorry, chapter 2 of 1 Peter. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 2 Peter. I'm, 2 Peter chapter 1, knowing this, verse 20, knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, how long did it take Noah and his sons to build that ark? Over a hundred years. What did, Noah and his, what did Noah do during that hundred years? Was it spent all of the time, every minute of the time when he was awake, just working on that ark? Uh, no, I don't think we're to understand that. I think Noah was proclaiming God's word to the people around him while he was building that ark. He was calling them to repentance. Now, what does this text in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20 again say? Who were formerly disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. During those hundred-plus years when Noah and his sons were building that ark, I believe we're to understand that Noah was talking to the people, telling them, a flood's coming. I'm building this ark by God's instruction, by his command, because he's going to destroy the world and all of humanity because of the sinfulness of humanity. But nobody repented that we have any, any scriptural reference of. When it came time for God to bring the floodwaters upon the earth, only Noah, his wife, their three sons, and their three wives entered that ark. They were the only ones prepared to be saved through water, as the end of verse 20 says. Now, are we to understand that Christ went to speak to the spirits who were already in condemnation, already having died upon this earth? I, I don't know that that's what we're to understand. But Noah, I believe we're to understand, preached to them, taught them, reached out to them, called them to repentance, to become faithful once again to God during those hundred plus years while he was building the ark. And any time the truth of God's word is being proclaimed, well, that truth comes from God through the Holy Spirit, as we read just a moment ago in 2 Peter chapter 1. Notice again, verse 20, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited, God was patient, giving the people of the earth still time to repent in the days of Noah, that hundred-plus years, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. Saved through water. The rains came down, the fountains of the deep were opened up. Water came forth from the crust of the earth. Water poured down from the atmosphere above. And eight souls were saved through water. Now, the next verse makes an application to us today. Those eight souls, Noah, his wife, their three sons, and their wives, were saved through water. When you think about the rains pouring down from the sky, 
and the floodgates from the crust of the earth opening up from beneath them, you get a sense of being surrounded by water. They were saved through water. There is an antitype, verse 21, there is an antitype which also now saves us. Baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism. There is an, also an antitype, the ultimate application of those eight souls being saved through water. The ultimate application of that for us today, an antitype which now saves us, baptism. The King James Version puts it perhaps even a little more succinctly. Baptism doth also now save us, is the way it is translated there. That really bothers a lot of people because they have been taught and they have believed and they're still believing that baptism has nothing to do with salvation. But that verse... And that's not just the only verse that talks about this. That verse is very direct. The end of verse 20, a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism. People try to explain that away and say, well, that's talking about some kind of spiritual baptism or Holy Spirit baptism. That's not, in the, that's not the context, the meaning of the context at all. It doesn't say anything about Holy Spirit baptism there. It says eight souls were saved through water. There is an antitype which now saves us, baptism. And it's not like washing up, taking a bath, removing dirt from our flesh. But the answer of a good conscience toward God, obedience to God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism doth also now save us. Is it just baptism that saves us? That's the point at which we come into salvation through Christ. When you look at the great commission that Jesus instructed the apostles to go and pursue, and that's still our commission today. In Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, he told them to go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. The, the grammar, the grammatical structure of that statement is indisputable. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Now people again try to explain that away. Jesus went on and said, he who does not believe shall be condemned. People say, well, see there, it doesn't say he was not baptized. There's a grammatical principle called synecdoche. Now that's a very technical sounding word, but it means a part stands for the whole. If you do away with the first part, everything that comes thereafter 
is done away with also. If a person does not believe, he's not going to be baptized. But that does not take away in any shape, form, or fashion from Jesus' initial statement, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Now what is the context, the meaning of the baptism or the water back in first Peter chapter three and verse 20 and 21 water eight souls were saved through water there is an antitype that saves us baptism we're talking about water souls being saved through water and now baptism is brought up as the means through which we come to salvation Anybody reading that is going to, uh, with, with a clear mind, with unbiased reasoning, is going to understand eight souls saved through water, an antitype that saves us, baptism, baptism in water. And then especially when you couple it with what Jesus told the apostles to do, in preaching the gospel throughout all the world to all creation, all of humanity, in Mark 16, 15, and 16, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Also, as Matthew recorded that great commission, in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Jesus told them, go therefore and make disciples, that is followers, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit baptizing them, central to making them disciples of Jesus. And so it is at baptism that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross really comes into power for us. We're surrendering our lives to Jesus, to God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as the Apostle Paul so vividly and beautifully laid out the parallel understanding of what Jesus went through in dying physically on that cross and being buried physically in that tomb, Paul, he relates baptism from a spiritual perspective to Jesus' literal death, burial, and resurrection. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, he wrote, Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now notice that it says we're baptized into Christ Jesus. That's the only way the scriptures tell us as to how to come into Christ. He repeats that very phrase in Galatians 3 and verse 27. We're baptized into Christ. We're baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him. Jesus died physically on that cross. When we're baptized into him, we die that, uh, to, the, to that old guilt of sin, that lifestyle of sin. It's a spiritual kind of death. And then rebirth. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism. 
how are we buried with him through baptism? We were buried in the waters of baptism as he was buried in that tomb in the earth. We were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead, he came forth from that grave by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. When we come up out of that watery grave of baptism, having been fully buried in the waters, we come up, we're forgiven. We're resurrected to a new life spiritually. We're reborn spiritually. In fact, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 puts it just that way. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, he wrote this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, how do we get into Christ again? Back in Romans 6 and verse 3, we're baptized into Christ. Anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Physically? Of course not. He looks the same physically. A new creation spiritually. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What did Jesus tell Nicodemus has to happen for a person to enter the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, he has to be born again. And when we're baptized into Christ, we're born again spiritually. Baptism is the point at which we're instructed in the scriptures that our sins are washed away by the blood of Christ. Acts 2 and verse 38. Acts 22 and verse 16. Oh, how I wish, and I believe God wishes, that people would stop trying to explain away the clear teaching of his scriptures on the subject of baptism and just accept them as they are written in his word, guided by the Holy Spirit to be written in that way. Baptism is when our sins are forgiven. The blood of Christ cleansing us of those sins as we're buried with him in the waters of baptism. Baptism is when we are reborn spiritually, coming up out of that watery grave, cleansed, made new from a spiritual perspective. Baptism is that point through which, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we enter into salvation in him. It's clear. It's easy to understand. Very straightforward. We simply need to accept what it says and obey God's teachings and be baptized for the remission of our sins, to be saved in Christ. The last verse of 1 Peter chapter 3, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. Jesus is with the Father right now in heaven, waiting for the Father to tell him, now is the time for the final day of judgment.
time for you to go back and bring judgment upon mankind. We need to be ready for that day. We need to be ready. Are you? We'd like to help you. You can contact us through our website at churchofchrist.com. Click on the email link. Or you can call us at 402-498-8397. We'd like to help you. We'll pick up with chapter 4 next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us such clear instructions as to how we can come to you through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. Thank you, Father, for sending him to that cross. Thank you for sending him to this world to bring that gospel message of salvation. Help us to have open minds to receive it, to understand it, and open hearts, Father, to obey it. We pray for this for people all over the world. So many are outside of Christ. So many need to come to you through him. Help us to be shining lights of that message of salvation, Father, through our lives, lived in faithfulness, obedience to you. Please forgive us, gracious Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.